what are your New Year's resolutions for 2021? Throw a big party once it's safe. Throw away your mask once it's safe. Take off on a world tour once it's safe. Who could blame you after the catastrophe we refer to as 2020? Hello, everyone. It's Matthew DeMello, your host of the Fiona Show, Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while we hate to be the bearer of bad news in terms of transfer pricing, it's 2021 that may feel more like a debacle. Tax scrutiny will increase. Audits that were on hold as part of COVID relief packages will resume and tax authorities will be expecting non-compliance as it has been the result of other economic downturns. With multinational companies reporting losses, trying to recover from breaks in supply chains and restructuring their functions, assets and risks, preparing transfer pricing documentation is not going to be easy. But with these New Year's practices all learned from 2020's Fiona Show experts, it doesn't have to mean audits and adjustments. And let's face it, it's better than quarantining. Cross-Border Solutions Chief Economist Mimi Song is here and we'll talk about 10 amazing transfer pricing New Year's resolutions, the experts who shared them, and Mimi will even show you how to get started. Happy New Year! And if you want an even better 2021 experience, you can earn CPE credits for listening to this podcast. Here's how it works. We're planting three CPE code words in the course of this episode. Send all three to the Fiona Show at xbs.ai. Again, that's the Fiona Show at xbs.ai. On that note, let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. As you've probably learned a long time ago, maybe in kindergarten, a little cooperation goes a long way. Well, Germany's Federal Ministry of Finance agrees. In fact, if there's an underlying theme in its new guidance published on December 3rd, 2020, it's that when it comes to transfer pricing investigations, cooperation is everything. Germany's new guidance specifies that tax authorities must evaluate transfer pricing cases based on facts and circumstances, and taxpayers must comply by making every effort to gather those facts and circumstances, including supplying supporting documentation. Isn't Synergy terrific? Transfer pricing methods are also under the microscope and taxpayers are expected to explain why the method used is the most appropriate and why the methods that were rejected were not suitable. Obviously, taxpayers should always produce robust documentation, but if they fail, the tax authorities show some leniency by giving them another chance to get it right. Use those second chances wisely. Tax authorities will only be agreeable for so long, then they'll make adjustments. The OECD has guidance for, well, everything. The OECD published specific guidance on how to approach transfer pricing on hard-to-value intangibles, which became part of a BEPS report for Actions 8 through 10. For those of you who don't remember Actions 8 through 10, they are aligning transfer pricing outcomes with value creation. Recently, the organization followed up to see how many countries had adopted its approach to hard-to-value intangibles, which allows tax administrations to use outcomes based on actual results to question pricing based on financial forecasts. Last month, it published the results of a questionnaire distributed to 40 countries to see which had adopted its approach into regulation. The results, some countries like Belgium, Denmark, Estonia, Ireland, Japan, 
and the Netherlands had either adopted specific laws on hard-to-value intangibles or automatically adopted OECD guidelines into regulation. Malaysia and Portugal do not have specific rules on hard-to-value intangibles, but they may adopt them. Germany and India have not adopted the guidance and show no plans to do so. Canada and France have not adopted the OECD's recommendations either, but their answers were a little bit more ambiguous. Canada noting it, quote, has not yet implemented the approach, unquote, and France, quote, not at this stage, unquote. Antonio Costa, Portugal's prime minister, took over as president of the EU Council on January 1st, and Portugal's feeling about tax transparency is, shall we say, crystal clear. As if country-by-country reporting weren't revealing enough, we hear a vote on public country-by-country reporting has already made the council's agenda. Country-by-country reports are already exchanged between countries, so what's the benefit of having them public? Depends on who you ask. Chiara Putituro, a tax policy specialist with the charity Oxfam in Brussels, told Law 360, quote, it would be clearer who is gaining and who is losing and easier to do any impact assessment of any tax reforms, unquote. The European Parliament's Green Party said that public country-by-country reporting doesn't get enough attention and that it's a, quote, game-changer to be embraced, unquote. Other tax experts disagree. After all, public country-by-country reporting doesn't add any new information. It just publicizes the information that is already in the hands of tax administrations. Oliver Treidler, a German transfer pricing specialist and writer, and as we like to refer to him, Fiona show Rockstar, made a great point saying that the reports require, quote, in-depth analysis, unquote. Tax authorities already have the information they need to assess multinational companies. It's hard to argue with that. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai tpu. Welcome back, everyone. We're here again with Cross-Border Solutions Chief Economist Mimi Song going over our New Year's resolutions for this year of 2020, what we should think about going into 2021 and keep front of mind. And just to start things off, our first resolution is I will work to integrate the tax department into the business. And here's Peter D. Nicola of Fujifilm from episode 32. You have to get into the trenches with, uh, you know, your operations people. You have, you have mm-hmm. to know what's going on. The last thing you want is to be blindsided. That's that's the important thing, you know. Right. Have control over what's going on. Don't let the situation control you. Mm-hmm. You have to be a good uh, advisor to your, you know, your team and uh, try to keep them, as I said, on the straight and narrow path. Mimi, 
We're also working as cross-border in R&D. This is a very familiar practice, at least in that realm of things, to be able to reach out to other departments. Where do folks get started in a process like that? Well, it's, it's not just related to the difference between transfer pricing and our R&D departments, but really, I mean, as a transfer pricing department or a tax department, you have to communicate with all of the different departments, marketing, finance, accounting, uh, operations, sales, like all of those different departments will need to be on your side, if you will. Because can I tell you, the worst case scenario is when nobody likes you and no one wants to talk <laughs> to you. And that's not the position you want to be in as part of the tax department because people already feel like you're intruding on their day-to-day -day activities as, as it begins with. So what you want to do Per what Peter said is become that trusted tax advisor. Make sure that there's a certain level of education that you're providing. And clearly you want to bring value back to these people, right? This conversation shouldn't just be a one-way one street. It's, hey, by the way, Matthew DeMello, you know, podcast extraordinaire, <laughs> tell me a little bit about what you do. And clearly you're going to have an opportunity to, to shine in that regard because you enjoy what you do. But at the same time, I, as a tax professional, you know, will need that information for the transfer pricing documentation. But maybe one day you're going to want to call me and say, hey, can you tell me about those taxes we paid? <laughs> right. Or can you be a podcast guest? And so you always have to think about it as a two-way street. And that's how you get everybody's buy-in, I would say. <laughs> I would also be remiss not to mention our talking point that we recite on the TPU webinars uh, along these lines of at least getting ingratiated enough in these departments to be able to ask what's on folks' LinkedIn pages because LinkedIn pages can be looked at by tax authorities. They can even appear in an audit. They can potentially trigger an audit when what's said on LinkedIn doesn't line up with the functional analysis, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you have to be very mindful of that. And so, you know, especially in the technology team, right? Yeah. By the way, sometimes talking to the engineers, are those are the most difficult conversations because, <laughs> you know, they have their own language, their, their own special code language, if you will. But nonetheless, the, you know, it's, it's, I think that the, the conversation, it, it, it helps when as a tax professional, you approach it too with an open mind and, and with some keen interest in that actually particular area, not only for purposes of completing your job, but, but really just generally speaking, right? As we often say, transfer pricing is a huge opportunity to understand your business, which leads us to our second resolution. I will document transfer pricing accurately and contemporaneously. I will now turn things over to Dr. Lorraine Eden from episode 33. Failure to document. Uh, compulsory documentation has to be done and has to be prepared, even if you don't have to give it out. But if you don't document, you leave yourself open to the tax authority coming after you. So failure to document is clearly number one. Can't say this enough, Mimi. Can't make this a resolution every year if we could. But uh, I picked this. <laughs> Are one. we beating a dead horse here at this point? A little right, bit, Matt? but it's worth I'm it. Just trying yeah. to figure that out. It is worth it, right? Because based on what we know, multinationals still 
aren't being contemporaneous about the documentation. And yet, it's just not as much of a priority. And can I tell you, over the past year, right, with the pandemic and with all these other issues looming over our heads, documentation probably wasn't on the top of mind for most, most people, let's be honest, right? But it's important to make it a priority. It's important to actually try to understand that it is a, a priority because the next thing you know, you turn around and the tax authorities are going to require it and ask for it, and they're not going to give you a lot of time to do it. Because if there's one thing we know, we know that tax authorities are more keen on making sure that taxpayers are doing the right things and being compliant even in these distressed times. That's right, especially countries that have been more generous when it comes to subsidies, uh, a lot of wage-based subsidies. They've, they're usually uh, among the countries that are uh, the most strict. Australia comes to mind, Canada. We've uh, often mentioned their programs that they have in place for COVID relief alongside of how stringent they're being going into 2020, 2021. And they have to be because they've because of these subsidies, right? They're going to have a huge budget deficit. And so that's going to create you know, long-term challenges, and, and then they're going to have to apply certain tax reforms to make sure that taxpayers aren't double-dipping in some regards between, you know, getting that subsidy and then deducting expenses. And, 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 and you know, there's going to be lots of questions also about how to treat those expenses. So it's, it's going to be a challenge, that's for sure. For sure. You should prepare contemporaneous documentation, which leads us to our third resolution. You will prepare robust country-specific documentation. Here's Doug Darling from Ace Liddy and 3M. Tell your story. Be support. Support your position. It goes a long way. And it's, it's really a simple, simple thing. Now, mm-hmm. of course, if you have results that aren't good, you have to be able to explain those and such. But then you know where your weaknesses are if you, if you understand that and know you have to document it. It also, you know, helps you prepare that, craft that argument. So to me, um, I know that's been a common thing, but uh, documentation is, is, is so, so important. I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, um, I'm a wordsmith, so documentation to me is not just a rote exercise or just a compliant exercise. I would agree with him. Also, just, I mean, I'm a storyteller. We talk about storytelling all the time here at Cross Border, especially on the podcast, but it all comes down to documentation and telling the specific stories each specific country wants you to tell. Well, I I think that's the key takeaway here, right? It's understanding the country-specific requirements, localized benchmark requirements, local thresholds. What type of economic analysis are they going to be looking at? What type of method preferences do they have? All of this inside information, if you will, which really isn't inside information. It's preparatory information. Is that a word? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's to make sure that you are prepared and you know what the challenges could potentially be based on those country-specific requirements because that's really where you're going to open up potentially a Pandora's box and say, whoa, I did not expect to see that. I should have looked at this a little bit more closely. And now that you have done this, you can react properly and and make some accommodations, whether or not that's in your documentation or 
in the actual creating a transfer pricing adjustment or something of that nature. Um, but you're, you can be better prepared to mitigate that potential risk by being more well-informed. That's right. And even where you're differentiating the story of your company between countries to meet country-specific requirements, our fourth resolution is that I will make my transfer pricing documentation consistent across the board. Here's Cross Borders' own Pamesh Sharma. I think from a, from a documentation perspective, I, 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 I still see inconsistencies and gaps between say, for example, master file and the local files of a multinational company. Those inconsistencies can be just, just in the write-ups, you know, discussions about, you know, intangible assets don't really marry up between the master file and local file. So we see those inconsistencies. But also, you know, just, just the numbers, the, you know, the information that's filed on, on tax returns and the related party filing, you know, how does that match to, to what's being told in the master file and local file? So, you know, we see those gaps and inconsistencies time and again in, in preparation of types of pricing files. But I think that, that, that's one, one key thing. And, and also another thing I hear is that CFOs and heads head of tax saying, you know, maybe for a, a particular benchmark, you know, it could be routine standard, head office services, 5% markup. We've never been challenged in the past 10 or 20 years. We don't need to update this benchmark regularly or we don't need to review it for any gaps. You know, it just, it's just low risk. You know, we shouldn't do it. And, you know, I, to me, I think from what we've learned today, you know, with, 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 with BEPS and, and with Brexit and with constant change, happening that we can't let what happened in the past guide the future it's we really need to be proactive here so i think it's those things you know those areas around inconsistency and being proactive i think i see those as mistakes and i think that that's something uh departments need to be really proactive on i think he said your magic word mimi and we're gonna make that the first cpe code word for this episode and that code word is proactive again the first cpe code word is proactive proactive that's right it's and 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 to be honest you know as i was re-listening to what pamesh had stated in the past so you know based on what pamesh was saying about history and and how cfos basically said well we never were challenged in the past it's low risk i'm not really too worried about it let's let's learn from coca-cola a little bit here right Right now, they're being subjected to a $3 billion adjustment. And this is because their argument, I'm kind of simplifying this, but but their argument was to say, hey, we relied on you know the IRS's position back uh, when they audited us in 1996. But it's not 1996 anymore. And their area of focus has shifted. And the landscape has changed. And now we're talking about where tax authorities are looking at transfer pricing under a much more scrutinous eye, they are looking for inconsistencies and they are trying to understand if taxpayers are really taking advantage of tax loopholes. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but have you ever heard of the tax inspectors without borders? No. Okay. What an intriguingly titled organization. Yeah, no, that, but so that is actually an OECD and a United Nations effort related to 
helping countries come together and doing audits simultaneously, right, in, in multiple countries. So this is where we're talking about now they have cooperation for audits. And in fact, in 2019, they levied about $500 million of tax adjustments that they were able to identify. So it's, this is real, right? I mean, we're not just talking about a potential risk of tax authorities looking for inconsistencies. Tax authorities are, are literally now working together to find areas that should be adjusted based on their understanding. And in light of that scrutiny, resolution number five is I will adjust my transfer pricing policy to reflect the new realities of my business. Here's Hosker Hugenberg from Cross Border Solutions. What I also see quite a bit is that still there are, especially those companies that have grown very fast in a short period of time, that they have not paid much attention on creating uh, appropriate intercompany agreements. So because the, you know, the legal basis in which you set out what the companies, uh, how they interact with each other, you know, is very important. And a lot of tax authorities, well, besides asking for the transfer pricing documentation when they do a review, will also immediately ask for the intercompany agreements. And if you can't produce them, if you don't have them, then, you know, a lot of authorities often simply deny you the tax deduction because they say there is no legal basis for this deduction. Which leads us to our second CPE code word, and that code word is house cleaning. Again, that's the second CPE code word. It is house cleaning because I think we talk so often or have uh, over the course of quarantine about house cleaning tasks because we're all stuck at home. And I can't think of a more rudimentary house cleaning task for corporations than intercompany agreements. Oh, yeah, that's. That's the word. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think the challenge is because it's always a question of who owns those agreements and who owns the execution of the agreements. But I digress. I think the point here is that Hasker makes a great point to understand, hey, how has your business changed in 2020? Do the profits actually align with value creation in this current environment? Are limited risk distribution arrangement or limited risk entities, are they still in fact limited risk? Or has there been some restructuring in response to the pandemic? Have there been changes to the supply chain that are impacting your overall business? Have people been relocated or have functions been relocated to be able to accommodate for the current environment? And, you know, I think that we can't expect that your business is going to look exactly the same post-COVID. Let's be honest. I think even life as we know it is not going to be exactly the same post-COVID. I hope it's not because I want us as people and as businesses to make sure we learn from our mistakes in the past. And hence, we're having this 2020 resolution podcast, right? <laughs> A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. 
So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. Resolution number six is I will accept and prepare for tax uncertainty. Here's Saini Prasanna, Research and Teaching Associate at the Transfer Pricing Center at Vienna University of Economics and Business from episode 40. Usually the answer would be documentation and internal risk assessment. But I would say the root cause of, of issues which, which are recurring is that not having the right people for doing transfer pricing or rather treating transfer pricing as merely a compliance activity while it should be more integrated in the strategic functions of, of an M&E. Uh, also, M&Es should accept uncertainty as a way of life for the next 10 years because now we have seen in the past 10 years that there was BEPS and a lot of activities which came out until 2017. And just when we started aligning ourselves to these standards, we have already begun wondering about what happens with the digital and each of these pieces of digital would keep flowing in, in, in the next half a dozen years. So, so we are eventually entering into a zone where uh, M&Es should no more whine about the uncertainties, but rather just accept that this is what it is going to be and, and try to align their priorities accordingly. I got to say, Mimi, 10 years might be too short. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean... You know, I the, what was the adage, the old adage goes, there are two certainties in life, death and taxes. Well, unfortunately, right now we're talking about tax uncertainty. So that, that statement doesn't hold true anymore, right? So, right. <laughs> but I guess this is more on, on a multinational level of tax uncertainty. I think risk is everywhere in understanding which tax authorities are are, are going to be the most aggressive, where do you actually have risk, regardless of the actual transaction amount, but the type of transactions, which ones are going to create the most buzz, right? Do you have right. high-risk transactions? Like, have you done IP migration transactions? Um, there's a lot of focus, don't forget, on financial transactions. Do you have relationships and transactions with counterparties in tax havens? Those are the types of things that you clearly want to you want to manage because there's a lot more uncertainty with how the tax authority is going to perceive those types of transactions, right? And then you know once again, documenting that appropriately, ensuring that the economic analysis makes sense given your business context. All of that is going to be really important to help manage this level of uncertainty. And, and, and that is really a tax director's worst nightmare, by the way. It is uncertainty. It's, it's not, hey, if I'm expecting India to adjust me by $10 million because they're expecting cost plus 20% and I'm only charging cost plus 15%. At least that is not an uncertainty. That is an expectation. And you can post a reserve against that. And you know you can 
sort of keep your eye on the prize in terms of anticipated risk, right? Right. But the uncertainty of whether or not they're actually another jurisdiction like Korea is going to take a more aggressive position and then challenge your transfer pricing framework, that's what keeps tax directors up at night. And not only do you need to manage uncertainty, you need to manage up, which brings us to our seventh resolution. I will work with the C-suite to be proactive about tax issues that might cause controversy. Here's Alex Parker of Bloomberg Tax from episode 44. You could definitely make a case that companies are much more reactive than proactive in terms of, you know, issues that might cause controversy. A lot of times this world of international taxes used to be seen as this kind of self-contained thing that only kind of the, the transfer pricing nerds out there understood and nobody else really cared that much about it. And it's changed a lot, obviously, since then. And now it's like corporate boardrooms care, CEOs care, the C-suite cares. But a lot of times they only care once it's in the newspaper. And so I think maybe companies could be more proactive thinking about like, what are the issues that people would criticize us for? And just deciding like, well, do we want to do this or do we do we want to have a response to it or at least just thinking through things like that? Can't emphasize this enough as a as a marketing professional, but transfer pricing tends to be a sore spot in that department for a lot of companies. Yeah, you either really care or you don't care, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like two extremes, I, I think. And to be fair, I think that, yes, transfer pricing is, it's an annoying requirement, but it is a requirement, number one. And then on top of it, it's not as complicated as people may think it it could possibly be. I mean, I think that, yes, the idea of where a value is created and, and the challenges associated with that is challenging, but in terms of meeting the requirements and checking off all the boxes and telling your story and, and being able to understand the basic premise of transfer pricing is the practice of ensuring that your related party transactions are treated the same as unrelated party transactions, right? It's a very simple concept. And to educate the C-suite and to get their buy-in is to make sure that a complicated framework such as the transfer pricing landscape is today, can be distilled down into just that simple terminology or understanding of what is transfer pricing? How does it impact my business? How can it help my business, right? Because we understand it, it can not only hurt the business, but it can help. And get that level of buy-in up front and make sure that everyone is well-educated enough to understand that transfer pricing issues can create significant reputational damage. Right? And so, you know, companies like Shell, this is why we see a much more proactive approach as it comes to tax and taxable positions. They have this whole paper related to their tax contribution report just to ensure that the public perception from their shareholder perspective is that they are paying their fair share of taxes and here's where we're paying our taxes, right? I hate to pick on Amazon, but it's easy to pick on them because they were in the newspaper as, hey, Amazon's paying 0% taxes, right? I mean, everyone probably saw that headline and yet they haven't really made a statement about their taxable position. But, you know, I think that's because Amazon is also vilified in a lot of different ways, right? But Nonetheless, I think right now everybody understands and the C-suite 
needs to be educated on the fact that tax is becoming a, a much more important topic as it relates to the reputational well-being of that multinational corporation. Right. And to be able to prove arm's length, to be able to understand arm's length, we need to keep in mind our eighth resolution. And that is, I will consider both sides of the transaction. Here's Cross Borders' own Valeria Marino from episode 47. So most of the time what we're seeing is that company pings only on one side of the transaction. You always have two parties, so you have two countries transacting with each other. And they, I think most of the time, they are only thinking on one side. So maybe the uh, riskiest part for them or, uh, I don't know, the, the, the country where they have more presence. It really depends. The reasons are different. But the advice we all give is like when they... When they look at the transfer pricing, they should look at both sides because it happens and sometimes you are above the range in a country and you say, okay, I'm above the range, I'm earning a lot of money, what's, what's the problem? Yeah, the problem is on the other side because, you know, if you have like a transaction, US, UK, and UK is earning a very high operating margin, you have no issue in UK. And I don't think the UK tax authority will come to you saying, hey, you're earning too much. But on the other side, you can have the IRS asking some questions. So it's always good um, to look at both sides of the transaction. Something else I don't think we can emphasize enough. This could be a resolution every year. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, it's 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 funny because I think companies have, have started to learn about this, right? I mean, this goes to the fact that tax authorities are sharing information. They're doing joint audits. They're They're basically auditing one company on one side. And if, if, if nothing comes up, that doesn't mean you're okay on the other side. I, the point here is this current environment is all about global collaboration of tax authorities and global education of tax authorities. And that's partially what the OECD BEPS action plan has done, which on a positive note, it's created more collaboration and, and brought more countries to come together to think about this holistically. On the other side, on the downside, multinationals are the ones burdened with all these additional requirements, right? And so I think the idea here is just because you are above the range and you're okay and safe from one side of the transaction doesn't mean you shouldn't address the other side of the transaction, the counterparty side of the transaction. Uh, I think you need to make sure that the story proves that you are in fact operating at arm's length regardless of which side of the transaction you're looking at. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know, 
know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of Cross Border Solutions Transfer Pricing Technology today at xbs.ai slash tp. That's xbs.ai slash tp. I will say that listening and subscribing to our short form sister podcast, the Fiona show hot off the press with all of your transfer pricing regulations and headlines from around the world in under 10 minutes will make keeping the ninth resolution we have very easy, which is I will stay on top of transfer pricing regulations around the world. Here's Dennis Blackburn of Technical Consumer Products from episode 48. Uh, Letting the new rules get out of hand. Um, not staying up to date with it, you know, figuring, well, I can catch up. You know, I, mean, I don't need to do it now. I can look at it three months from now. Got to stay on top of it. If you get another country that puts through a law that is going to require you to keep track of something and you aren't ready for it, you're in trouble. I love Dennis so much. I remember him saying that when he was on the episode and, and my heart like kind of sank a little bit because I could hear like how hard he was trying. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to keep up. It, it, it is difficult because, you know, and Dennis is in the same position as I think it's a lot of tax departments where they're being tasked with so much, right? But they're not being given more resources or tools to be able to do their jobs effectively. And so this is why I think in the tax world, just generally speaking, technology plays a much bigger role these days. Because how is it possible that you're going to be able to meet all these enhanced requirements on a global basis and expect that you you reduce internal budgetary uh, internal headcount or maintain internal headcount at status quo and reduce external budgetary expenses. Like it's a little bit of madness that companies ask tax departments to do this, but it is, it's a real ask and it's a real challenge. And the only way, like I said, that companies are going to be able to meet that challenge, right? Is to embrace technology and, and this is why transfer pricing technology helps you stay on top of the changes in the regulatory rules, you know, partnering with the right firm to make sure that they're, they're looking out for your best interest in terms of what are the requirements here? Do, you, do we have you covered? Those are all the things that you need to be worried about, not what are the actual rule changes, but does someone have my back? Does my technology have my back? Do I have enough going on operationally and procedurally that I'm well? Uh, I'm going to be well informed to be able to make the right decisions for my organization. And uh, I, I think it's worth remembering too that tax authorities are leveraging technology themselves. Uh, in many cases, advanced technologies. You can go to our episodes about. Uh, artificial intelligence to get very precise definitions of what that all means. That's right. Brazil's bear, right? So that's what they call it, the bear. Which sounds like a great third CPE code word, Mimi. And again, that code word is bear. Again, our third CPE code word for this episode, and it is bear. Canada, uh, if you go back to our Canada episode, the CRA agent we had on that show was telling me how uh, the the level of their data is to the point, and this also includes the infamous secret comparables, but their data is to the point where if they're asking for an audit, they already know what they're looking for. They want to see if you know <laughs> what they would be looking and for. And that's, that's even so, worse. If you don't get 
yes. <laughs> to the same answer, it's probably even worse. And the only way you're going to get there is is leveraging some sort of technological solution. Uh, that brings us to our 10th resolution. I will treat related party transactions as I would third party transactions. And here is some unknown upstart. I think this is an intern. Anyway, I'm not really sure who this is, but I'm sure they have great advice. Once again, treat treat related party transactions similar to how you treat unrelated party transactions. If you're negotiating third party contracts, you you need to be negotiating your related party contracts. I think there shouldn't be any uh, deprioritization of related party contracts just because it's your related party. I think that could open up that could open up a lot of questions. Mimi, I've never heard you ever say this before, and you're going to need to <laughs> help me here make That's sense true. of what you could possibly mean. I, I feel like we I feel like we just repeated what I said at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, a little a little bit, but <laughs> uh, just within the context of of related versus third party, I guess yes. making a big difference. Yes, that's true. I say this time and time again because I mean that's the arm's length principle. That's that's the basic premise of the arm's length principle, right? So you, you need to understand what are your what are your various intercompany transactions. What are your third-party transactions? What actually are you negotiating and how have you responded to the current pandemic environment? And, and it's important that related parties aren't treated any differently, right? And that's, the, that's the bottom line. Why would you treat them differently? That's the point of the transfer person rules and regulations to say, don't treat them differently. They should be treated exactly the same as you would treat a third-party transaction. But... As, as most people realize, as a multinational enterprise, because the, the profits go from left pocket to right pocket, but they still stay, stay within the same pocket of the multinational umbrella, perhaps people aren't caring as much. And, and that's why transfer pricing has become such a, uh, such a challenge for all of these global sovereign tax authorities, right, who have only been paying attention to what's in their pocket and, um, as it pertains. And now they, now they finally see, okay, well, we want to understand what share of the whole entire pie we got and did we get enough, right? So it's almost like, it's almost like when my five-year-old says, oh, my big sister got a bigger slice of the pie or got another scoop of ice cream than me. That's not fair. <laughs> so she's in favor of ice cream formulary apportionment. That's, that's what you're <laughs> that's saying? That's exactly right. Ice cream formulary <laughs> apportionment. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be soon there's going to be memes I, I can just see everything in linkedin oh gosh. maybe some years from now <laughs> if especially if they make the formulary apportionment a thing i hope not uh, after the digital tax debate oh. let's hope let's hope yes. but uh there'll be no shortage of good memes <laughs> So just a brief recap of our episode, getting all the resolutions in one place, plus an action plan to act on them. Starting with resolution number one, I will work to integrate the tax department into the business. Tax departments can be seen as silos. For effective transfer pricing, you need an overview of the whole business. Work with different teams for an understanding of the supply chain. Provide insight into how business affects the company from a transfer pricing perspective. And being proactive means you can make business adjustments going in as opposed to retroactively. 
Now on to resolution number two. I will document transfer pricing accurately and contemporaneously. Yes, document contemporaneously. Tax authorities often require it. Also, tax authorities don't offer a lot of turnaround time, so it's good to have it all ready to go. Also, it ensures that your transfer pricing is reflecting fair market conditions. Resolution number three, I will prepare robust country-specific documentation. Those can be local benchmarks if required, local thresholds, ranges. Sometimes those have a ratio of 25, 75, 35, 65 in the case of Vietnam. Method preferences. Also make sure documentation addresses them in terms of format, thresholds, deadlines, and information. Localized reports and supplementary documentation do not give generic reports. No adhering to OECD guidelines unless they've been adopted by the jurisdiction and no omissions in terms of required information. And on to resolution number four, I will make my transfer pricing documentation consistent across the board. Tax authorities look for inconsistencies. It's a red flag for auditors. The local file needs to reflect what's going on in the master file and vice versa. Intercompany agreements need to reflect the business reality. For 2020 transfer pricing, this is a major concern as many businesses have restructured supply chains and functions, assets and risks may have been relocated. All of these documents need to be reviewed, aligned with each other, and with 2021's new business realities. Resolution number five, I will adjust my transfer pricing policy to reflect the new realities of my business. Look at your business in 2020. How did COVID affect that business? How have functions moved? Risks been reassessed? How have assets changed homes? What about limited risk entities? Have they been restructured to absorb losses? Whatever changes you've had to account for in 2020 transfer pricing must be reflected in the transfer pricing policy. Reviewing the policy can also help your opportunities in terms of allocating profits and losses strategically. Resolution number six, I will accept and prepare for tax uncertainty. Assess your risk based on which tax authorities am I dealing with? How aggressive are they? What types of transactions are on their radar? Shifting IP, financial transactions, services. Do I have operations and tax havens, preferential tax regimes? Also look at your documentation practices. Have you adhered to country-specific requirements, local benchmarks, thresholds, languages? Have you answered questions before tax authorities might ask them? Is your documentation contemporaneous? Do you know where you're vulnerable? Have you proactively addressed those vulnerabilities? Resolution number seven, I will work with the C-suite to be proactive about tax issues that might cause controversy. Make transfer pricing known throughout the company as a highly vulnerable area of international tax, especially for 2021, when COVID has had such volatile impacts on businesses. Integrate transfer pricing into new business at the forefront so everyone knows the transfer pricing implications from the get-go. Think of proactive companies like Shell. According to their website, the board of directors of Royal Dutch Shell approves its tax strategy and regularly reviews its effectiveness and maintains a sound system of risk management and internal control. The executive VP of tax and controller is responsible for tax matters and provides assurance based on the internal tax control framework. The Board of Directors is updated annually on their tax risks and adherence to tax strategy. Shell also publishes a tax contribution report, which shows how they're applying responsible tax principles 
and includes a payment overview of profits and taxes paid. Above all, remember, transparency can be a proactive position. Now, resolution number eight, I will consider both sides of the transaction. Maybe the riskiest part of a transaction is where your focus is, but what's happening in one country can bring up questions in another. Tax authorities may turn to transfer pricing to address tax revenue shortfalls from 2020, similar to the HMRC in the UK. Tax authorities may exchange information or even so you have to be aware both sides can be at risk and protecting one side can mean harm for the other. Resolution number nine, I will stay on top of transfer pricing regulations around the world. Embrace technology. 2020 transfer pricing will be a good time to do so with the need for additional benchmarking. Transfer pricing technology can view companies through a transfer pricing lens, ensuring stronger comparability. Software can stay on top of changing regulations, deadlines, and it's the easiest, fastest way to make sure you're in compliance. It also makes contemporaneous documentation less burdensome. Documentation ends up getting done very quickly should tax authorities then request it. Resolution number 10, I will treat related party transactions as I would third party transactions. Look at what's happening with your internal comparables and let them be a model for your related party transactions. Transactions will have to reflect true market conditions, including contract negotiations, inflation, cost cutting or markups. Thailand recently came out with an auditing guidance for its tax authorities that says for comparability, look at internal comparables, then external ones. Taxpayers are encouraged to take the hint and do the same. Now, before we end today's show, let's have a word from my friends and yours at Cross Border Solutions. Mimi, thank you so much for being with us on this week's Fiona show. We also want to thank everybody at home for tuning in. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're there, don't forget to check out our short form sister podcast. That's the Fiona Show Hot Off the Press, where you can hear all of your transfer pricing, reg updates, and headlines from all across the world in under 10 minutes. My name's Matthew DeMello, and they let me host, edit, and engineer this podcast. Christy Clements is our associate producer. Mary Linda Mitchum-Strom is our executive producer. We're going to catch everyone next week. Until then, stay safe, wear a mask, and maybe we'll have a more pleasant 2021.